Your Locked On Maple Leafs. Your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On This Podcast. What's up, shop for all things Leafs? I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother from TSN's Overdrive and the host of Leafs Launch on TSN 1050. You can hit me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Leave a rating and review as well. That would be much, much appreciated. And hey, make us your first listen of the day. The podcast, is you can get it wherever you get your podcast from. We put out daily episodes and make us part of your daily routine Uh, and if you already are thank you so much hopefully you you do come back and you listen to the shows each and every day really appreciate it Um, big weekend for the Maple Leafs sweep the weekend got a 2-1 overtime victory in the Hall of Fame game against Calgary and then a 5-4 win didn't have to go to overtime uh, against the Buffalo Sabres um, you know, we'll start quickly with Calgary. You know, Leafs kind of hang around in that game. They get the game time goal, and then Matthews scores in overtime to win it. And then they come out a little bit slow the day after, right? Game two um, of of the back to back against Buffalo. Uh, the rookie Joseph Wall getting his first taste of NHL action. Well, he had to be sharp in the first couple of minutes of that game. First twenty minutes, first period, really. You know, the the Maple Leafs came out flat. Flat, flat, flat. And, uh, you know, he had to keep the team in it, right? He, he had to keep them in this game. Um, you know, lucky goal by David Camp kind of gave him the lead. And then, uh, you know, he was able to kind of settle in a little bit. But I think they were outshot like 13-5 to through the first period. Gross. Gross. It's the Buffalo Sabres. The Buffalo Sabres. It's like when you win a game 5-4 gets the Buffalo Sabres, you don't feel good about it. <laughs> You really don't. And I know like they're they're playing a little bit better as of late, but still, the the Maple Leafs consistently kind of play down to their opponent. And if you watch that game, although Toronto walked away with two points, they 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 were outplayed. Like honestly, they were outplayed. And if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure Buffalo was also on night two of a back-to-back in that game. I'm pretty sure they also played the day before. Uh, They played, yeah, they hosted the Edmonton Oilers the night before, and they got the win against them. And then the very next day, they had to go up against Toronto. So it's not even like, okay, you can complain. Yeah, you know, we were on night two of a back-to-back. So was Buffalo. So was Buffalo. So coming out flat the way that they did was somewhat inexcusable. Um, Sheldon Keefe did not like it. He, I believe the word he used was dreadful first two periods. Uh, dreadful. Yeah, they, they didn't play great, right? Like, there's been a lot of games where the, the process hasn't yielded the results that it should have, right? The analytics, the, the advanced numbers suggest expected goals and all that suggest that the Maple Leafs should have won a couple of games earlier in the year that they did not. This was one where they got the win, but should not have won it. The expected goals for percentage was actually in favor of the Buffalo Sabres. The Buffalo Sabres outshot. The Buffalo Sabres outchanced the Toronto Maple Leafs. But Aaron Dell is the goaltender in Buffalo, which means all the Maple Leafs needed was a couple of opportunities, a couple of chances, and they were going to end up racking up the goals. And that's kind of what happened. Like I said, the, the, the first opening goal was kind of a microcosm of the game, just not the greatest. Like, if you were to uh, try and, and, and develop a goaltender, you would show them the game tape and say, do opposite of what these guys did in that game. Um, it, it really was not a, a goaltending spectacle at all. Like that first goal, David Kampf, 
you know, I guess good on him for walking the puck out in front, but then, like, he essentially lost control of it, and Aaron Dell just had no idea where the puck was. He could see him. He's still standing, still standing, and the puck just literally glides so slowly underneath his legs, underneath his feet, and in the back of the net. It was actually, like, probably the, the weirdest, campiest goal that I've ever seen in my life. It was so bizarre, but and that kind of opened the scoring, and I was like, oh, okay. That's the type of night it's going to be. All right. Um, didn't get much scoring until the second period, really. But, yeah, it, it, another slow start for the Maple Leafs, though, uh, in terms of their actual on-ice performance. They picked it up in the third. Um, the depth scoring finally got going, though. Four to the five goals on in Saturday's win against the Buffalo Sabres scored by non-core four players. Isn't that, that's, that streak of, like, 19 last 20 goals scored by one of Matthews, Tavares, Nylander, or Marner. Well, the depth finally got going uh, the other night in Buffalo. Four out of the five goals not scored by one of those guys, but Tavares did score. Uh, he was the lone uh, core four player, I suppose, to uh, to get on the score sheet. That was a really nice goal, too. Tip, uh, tipped in a Morgan Riley point shot on the power play. That puck was going wide, and he just kind of stuck his... The toe of his stick out there, got a piece of it, and uh, ended up going off the ice and in, into the back of the net. But like, just just for once, I guess the the like I said earlier, it's games that you know. There's been games that Toronto should have won but didn't, and this is another one where they shouldn't have won but did. And this is how much like the hockey gods, I guess, hated Buffalo over Toronto. The game-winning goal, uh, for those who did not watch the game, I suppose, for those who watched it, you know that legitimately Morgan Riley defied gravity and science and physics and all that jazz. Morgan Riley takes a point shot. Now, there was a screen, so I don't even think Aaron Dell really saw the puck. There was a couple of guys in front. But he takes a point shot with about 12 seconds left on the clock, hits the corner where the post and bar kind of connect, comes down, hits about... Four to six inches uh, in front of the in front of the, the the goal line, and then takes a, a least bounce and bounces right into the net. The nine ninety nine times out of a hundred, if you do that again, it's going to bounce out of the net. And then we had to overtime for whatever reason. The hockey gods wanted Toronto to win that game and wanted to reward Morgan Riley for some rather strong play over the weekend, actually, and get him his first goal of the season, but literally defied physics and gravity and science and stuff. And uh, (laughs) so they end up getting that victory. But, I mean, it wasn't a Picasso weekend for Toronto. Um, They played well enough to get all four points, I suppose. Uh, They got really good goaltending from Jack Campbell on Friday in Calgary. Goaltending... They got good enough goaltending to keep them in it. There was some poor defensive coverage plays uh, against Buffalo, you know, that ended up allowing a couple of goals, um, you know, against Joseph Wall. But overall, he was okay. He stopped twenty three and twenty seven. Um, you know, it's it's definitely not one that uh, it's not quite the Zach Fukali NHL debut where he shut out the Red Wings the other night for the Washington Capitals. But you know what? It's a win. He got the game puck. He's given it to his mother, who I guess has a big shrine. Like, I'm sure most parents have, you know, a bunch of memorabilia and, and childhood items and mementos from their, their hockey career. And, and I'm sure that uh, she'll find a good spot for that game-winning puck. 
But, you know, Joseph Wall, it's not like he came in here and, and said, yeah, I can give you, you know, way better than what Michael Hutchinson can give you. I I mean, again, it's his first game, so I'm not going to rag on the kid. Um, and, and, you know, defensively, they didn't really help him out either early on in the in the game where he was actually pretty good. Uh, but there was a couple of goals I'm sure that he would want back. But at the end of the day, I, I still think that um, I still believe that, uh, you know, bad, the backup goaltending position until Peter Morazic gets back from his injury, which should be early in December, is not necessarily, it's, it hasn't been answered. Like, Wall may not be the guy. Like, if he came in and they got a, you know, like a 4-1 win or a 5-1 win and he made 32 stops and, and looked good doing it, okay, maybe you could say, all right, maybe Justin Wall can kind of, you know, be the guy until Morazic gets back. Now it's like, okay, maybe he could do it. There's a back-to-back this weekend. I'll be curious. I think Eric Hallgren um, is a guy who they signed this offseason, a Swedish kid. He may be able to – a kid, he's like 25. But he might be able to, uh, to to get an opportunity, get a look at some point, maybe even Hutchinson, give him another opportunity. Or perhaps Joseph Wall gets an opportunity uh, to stick around. I know that he still is with the team. He was practicing with them today. Um, you know, and maybe maybe it was just first game jitters, or the fact that the team didn't play great. It's night two of a back to back, put him in a bit of a better situation, perhaps. Um, although this weekend is again is going to be a back to back, so I don't know, maybe maybe not. Or they could play him on night one and then play Jack Campbell on night two, just because the the Islanders are are a tougher task than the Penguins. Although I believe Sidney Crosby is back because I saw him dummy. Martin, uh, was it Martin Favari or whatever, just kind of throw him around and ragdoll him, which is hilarious. I'll go check that out on, on YouTube or check that out on Twitter or wherever. But that, that clip was flying around yesterday. Um, but, yeah, so the Maple Leafs, they, they picked up the Ws uh, this weekend, but not the most inspiring victories. Like I said, it's not a Picasso but you're never going to complain when you walk away from a weekend with uh, a full four points and currently now sitting just two points back of the Florida Panthers for second in the Atlantic. All right, when we come back, we'll get to three stars of the weekend um, and then uh, some updates from Leafs practice from earlier today. I'll go through that as well when we return. You're on the Locked on Leafs podcast. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle. And a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings you all your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows in all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's a no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Welcome back to Locked on Leafs, your number one daily Maple Leafs podcast here. Um, I'm Mike DiStefano, the host of the show. And just a reminder, we're a daily podcast. Make sure that you make us our first listen of the day. Build us into your routine. You can get the podcast wherever you get it from. And if you are a daily listener, I really appreciate it. And thank you so much for coming back on uh, on a daily basis. Hopefully, we're covering all the information you're looking for here at Locked on 
Leafs. Uh, all right, so this past weekend, a 2-1 win in overtime against the Calgary Flames, then following it up with a 5-4 regulation victory over the Buffalo Sabres. So let's take a look at our three stars of the game. So I'm taking a look at Saturday night. I really like what I saw of that third line. Kerfoot, Kampf, and Engvall. Um, it was kind of the first installment we got to see of this line this season. It's not something that we really saw uh, much of in the preseason. It's not much that we saw at all through the regular season, obviously. But it's an interesting. Uh, it was an interesting little shakeup that Sheldon Keefe did. I barely even mentioned that earlier, but like he totally put the lines in a blender for this game, um, and that was one that actually worked. I'm not so sure that a couple of the other ones worked, but this one absolutely worked. You just take a look at uh, at the shot share, and for a team that spends only 22 percent of their zone starts in the offensive end, somehow had an 80 percent. 80, yeah, 80% shot share. Like Pierre Engvall and Alex Kerfoot, both with an 86 and 80% shot share in this one with just 22% defensive or offensive zone starts, seven defensive zone starts, and only allowed, um, yeah, two, three, two or three chances against or shot attempts uh, on goal. Kind of crazy, actually, when you think about it. Just the fact that they were able to go in there. And a big reason for it, realistically, a, a massive reason, I think, is the fact that um, David Camp has been a beast, a beast in the faceoff circles this season. And, uh, you know, when, when you can win the defensive zone draws and then it allows you to get the puck out. And that's really, David Camp did a good job of that. Um, he had 14 faceoff wins. The other night, 14 face-off wins for David Camp the other night. So, you know, when he's able to do that and then they can easily get the puck out, you're, you know, you're going to have good numbers. Like, that's going to, it's going to look favorably on you. They were rewarded with a goal. David Camp obviously scored. Kerfoot, um, did, he got an assist on the game winner as well. Wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, that, but did get the game, the assist on the game winner. Um, and they were just really good in, in all ends, uh, all uh areas of the game, honestly. So I like the third line looks like. They, according to practice, that is not what the third line will look like tomorrow night when they take on the Predators. But uh, I, I did like, and they were my third star from Saturday's game. Uh, I'm going to give Morgan Riley the second star. You know, what? when you defy physics the way that Morgan Riley did, um, and you break science, uh, you know, you're, you're going to get yourself a star. But he actually played really really well. He had a goal. He assisted on the power play goal. Um, John Tavares got the tip there. But Morgan Riley had himself uh, one heck of a game. So Morgan Riley uh, decided to give him second star honors with John Tavares getting first star honors. Uh, he also had two points on the night, a goal and a helper. Um, got the power play goal. Not really, really nice tip, but it was the board battles. You know, this guy is is really, he's playing the, the, the best hockey, I think, that he's played in a Maple Leaf sweater. Legitimately. I know he scored 47 a couple of years ago, but the way he's playing right now, he's pretty well on pace to like he's got I think six or seven goals last six he's got seven goals last seven games. 
Seven goals in seven games for John Tavares. This guy's playing unbelievable right now. Leads the team with eight goals uh, on the season. He's doing everything he's being asked to do. Uh, he's he's winning net front battles. He's scoring in multiple different ways in front of the net. The greasy, the dirty goals that you got to score. The, those are the ones that you score in the playoffs. JT's doing it. He's battling. He's fighting. He's winning board battles even to keep keep pucks alive, to keep possession alive. You know, John Tavares is doing a lot of really good things. Um, so I give him the first star of the game. All right, we'll take one more quick break. When we get back, we'll take a look at uh, what's going on in practice today because Sheldon Keefe chucked the lines back into the blender a little bit, and, uh, well, they're not necessarily in a blender. They're actually going back to back to basics, I guess you could say, more so than chucking them in the blender. What happened on Saturday was the blender being taken out. Now they're going back to the basics. I'll explain what I mean by all this in return here on the Locked on Lease podcast. I love Thanksgiving. All the good food and treats and plenty of them, but maybe you want a yummy dessert, but isn't so full of calories and sugar. It's the perfect time for Built Bars. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert. Feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One slice of pie is upwards of 300 calories, and that's on the low end. Most Built Bars have only 130 calories and only 4 grams of sugar with plenty of protein. Replace the coconut cream pie with coconut Built Bar. Or go for a raspberry Built Bar instead of the raspberry pie. Lots of good flavors to replace any pie. Low calorie, low carb, low fat, high protein, covered in 100% real chocolate. Built is the great option for when you're hungry. If Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, go for a Built Bar or two now. Share some of your family gatherings. It'll make things less awkward. Maybe Aunt Betty hasn't tried a Built Bar yet. New surprises all month. Limited time flavors arriving at BuiltBar.com regularly, so make sure you're checking the site often. There's nothing like a Built Bar Black Friday. Make sure you mark your calendar. Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. Go BuiltBart.com and use the promo code LOCKED15. That's promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Welcome back to Locked On Leafs. Mike DiStefano, the host of this program. Uh, just a reminder, we're a daily Maple Leaf-centric podcast. So if you are a diehard Leafs fan and part of Leafs Nation, you won't want to miss this ep- this podcast. A new episode's dropping pretty well every single day, Monday to Friday. And... Uh, uh, hopefully you enjoy it, you subscribe, and you return uh, and, and make us part of your daily listening routine. So Maple Leafs um, coming off a couple of couple of wins. They've won eight of their last ten games. So playing some some good hockey. It's not the perfect. It's not the best. But they're picking up wins. They're doing some good things. Um, and Sheldon Keefe. Though not sticking with the same lines that we had on Saturday, which to be honest, they, they I mean they didn't play terrifically, I suppose. I mean Kasha played all right up on the top line, did score a goal. But regardless, he's uh kind of going back to the basics. Like I said, this these were the lines in practice today, um, ahead of tomorrow's game against the Nashville Predators. So Nick Ritchie being bumped back up to the top line with Matthews and Marner, yes, so Marner and Matthews reunited in practice today, which means Nylander and Tavares getting back to it, along with Alex Kerfoot. So this is pretty much exactly what we were looking at earlier in the year. Engvall, Camp, and Kasha, and then Bunting knocked down to the fourth line with Spezza and Simmons. So slight difference here, slight difference, um, but... At the end of the day, it's still very similar to what we saw earlier in the year. 
Uh, so, okay, a couple of things. A, Matthews and Nylander, Marner, Tavares, no more, I guess, according to today's practice. And I believe I did, uh, there was a, a quote that came out of practice. I don't have the audio, but I will... I will uh, I'll read the quote to you, and this was this is Sheldon Keefe post practice on why he is splitting up Matthews and Nylander. He said, "quote I do think the individual players have played well, but when I went through and I looked at the chances that Austin's generated, and the chances that Will's generated haven't necessarily involved each other. So I don't know if he's seeing it and saying there hasn't been enough chemistry between those two, and I can't say that I don't disagree." To be honest with you, I've always been of the belief that William Nylander is kind of at his best when he's driving a line, when he's driving play. I don't know if he's able to do that when you know he's got an alpha like uh, like like Willie like um, uh, Austin Matthews on his line. I don't know if he can quite do that. Whereas if he's playing with Tavares, I feel like he will be able to because. Because JT's been doing a really good job. JT is also, I would say, you know, you could call him an alpha as well, but in a bit of a different regard. Like JT will go when he will battle hard, down low, battle in front of the net, but that'll allow Willie to just kind of hold the puck and allow him to shoot the puck and kind of be be kind of the spunky player that he wants to be when he's confident, when he's playing at the top of his game. So, I mean, I, I, I kind of like the fact that they're splitting them up again, but I don't like the fact that Marner and Tavares are getting split up. So it's a bit of a bit of a catch-22, I suppose, because I really think that Marner and Tavares are playing some of the best hockey um, that we've seen them play, dating back to their first year together. They've been outstanding, the, the, the two of them, really, they have been. Uh, but I guess, you know... It, for whatever reason, Coach uh, Coach Keefe decides to to split them up again and, and kind of go back to what we saw earlier in the season, um, and we'll see what what can happen. And, and but putting Nick Ritchie up there, giving Ritchie a, a second opportunity up in the top six, up on the top line rather, as opposed to allowing maybe Kasha to get that chance, I think is is notable. I think it's notable. Maybe that's the word that I'll stick with. I think it's notable. I wonder if Mick Ritchie was making league, man, if he was making the same amount of money as as Michael Bunting, would he be up in the top line? I don't think he would be. I really, really, truly don't. Has it done enough to warrant multiple looks up in the top six? This will be the, the third time that he's been placed back into the top six after falling out. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. Um, but it, it's definitely interesting and notable. And then Bunting, Spezza, and Simmons. That, that should be a fun little energy line. Um, a good a good fourth line. I, I do actually think that could be something. Give you some energy if if you need it, uh, you know, midway through a game. And then the, the defensive pairings, uh, Sandine and Lilligren, as of now. Actually, let me let me rephrase this. So what Keefe is doing, so the pairings are as as follows. Riley Brody, Muzzin Hall, Sandine, Lilligren, Dermot is the extra. But what Sheldon Keefe is doing is he's mixing in Dermot on the third pair and kind of rotating those three, Sandine, Lilligren, and Dermot, uh, and rotating them. And it seems like he's going to be doing that in games. We did see Sandine did not play Saturday night, which I thought was odd, uh, but he didn't play Saturday. Dermot didn't play Friday. And it looks like Lilligren is not going to play tomorrow. Uh, it just came out just a moment ago that 
Sandine is actually, or Dermot is going to take place of Lilligrand, and we'll go back to the Sandine-Dermot pairing that we saw earlier in the year. It was successful. They played really well together, actually. You know, it's when Dermot gets pushed up into the lineup that things seem to go awry, when he has a little bit, when he's not sheltered, and, and instead of, you know, getting... Uh, offensive zone starts, and instead of having to go up against you know the third and fourth lines, it was when he was playing with Riley, going up against top six lines, playing 18 minutes a night, and then starting in the defensive zone. That's where it kind of his game got away from him. But on the third pair, it looked good. But I'm I I, I don't I don't know, man. Like I really liked what Lilligren has been able to do with Sandine. Um, and I kind of like this this young pair. I want them to grow together. But at the same time, I understand they, they've got seven guys. They want to rotate and keep them all fresh. And it could potentially also be uh, an opportunity for you know, opposing GMs to, to get a look at Dermot. It could be a bit of a showcase. You know, there, there have been rumblings that one of Hall and Dermot are available on the trade market if the right... Uh, if the right price is met, I suppose. I don't don't know if it'd be a particularly high price, but that is what is being reported, that those two, they're listening on at the very least. So it's a lot easier to shop a guy or a lot easier to sell your player when he's in the lineup on a nightly basis, uh, which seems to be what Dermot uh, is, has been doing the last couple of nights. So I... I, I I would prefer the Sandine-Lilligreen pairing, but it seems like Dermot's going to get in there with uh, Sandine tomorrow. I'm not sure I like it, but I'm not the coach. Not the coach. Uh, One last thing that I want to chat about today before uh, I let you go. I actually just legitimately got an email from, um, this must be Matthew's PR staff, to be honest. Uh, It says, uh, Austin Matthews is currently sitting at 48%. As we hit the halfway mark to his meeting, his 2021 November goal to raise $134,000 and not only change the face of men's health, but literally change his own and shave off his trademark mustache. Uh, So if you guys aren't aware, Austin Matthews uh, said he will shave off his mustache. There's a really actually hilarious um, commercial that he did for November. And he's trying to raise $134,000, and if he does, he will shave off his mustache. Uh, and fans can help Austin cross the finish line by donating to his Mo Space. Every $34 donation will earn an entry to win one of Austin's custom November CCM sticks. So if you donate $34 to Austin Matthews Mo Space, that you get entered into a draw to try and win Austin Matthews custom November CCM sticks uh, that he's been playing with all month long. Um, you can learn more about this at Austin's Museum. Uh, you can go check that out on on uh, on his website. So just yeah, if you guys are interested, you can definitely go and not just do, don't. I mean, sure, you could do it just for the the custom sticks, I suppose. But again, Movember raising awareness, um, you know, for for men's health um, and for cancer research and all that. So you know, it's 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 a two. It gives you a, uh, it's a double thing, right? A, you're donating to 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 cancer research, but you're also getting an opportunity to enter to win uh, some really really cool Austin Matthews memorabilia. Uh, All right, so I think that is going to do it for me here today. Um, 
yes, uh, I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On These Podcasts on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leaves content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show at Locked On Leaves. I'll be back with another episode tomorrow. We're going to tee up the game between the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Nashville Predators. Uh, but until then, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leaves.